Welcome to our sermon. I am Pastor Nathan Escarga, and I am sure that God will speak to you through his word today. Hey, it's good having you with us tonight. And uh, we are doing the uh, studio session and uh, just welcoming those that are in the studio today with me. Uh, all right, yeah. With that, uh, just a few things. Uh, should there be any questions today regarding uh, anything, uh, you can either text me or uh, we'll have a Q&A at the end depending on the time. And if we have to, we'll uh, get into a bit of a, um, we may put an, make a separate session with questions uh, and answers. So just a little bit of uh, housekeeping here tonight. You are uh, lo looking and viewing uh, this session today because you care about others and you want to share the life uh, that you have in Christ with others. You want to share life with others. And uh, that life truly comes through Jesus Christ and him alone. Um, I just I want to uh, just start off by saying that uh, one of the most exciting things for me as a, uh, as a believer, and not just as a pastor, but even before I became a pastor, was sharing Christ with someone else. And that is so exciting. Uh, there is, to me, it's probably one of the highlights of, of any day, of any period of time, is sharing Christ with others. And because of that sharing, you are potentially sharing life, uh, life eternal with them as you uh, talk about Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. So this is a more of a, there's, today is a bit of an intro and then we're going to get into uh, a little bit, uh, we're going to get into what the gospel is because it's only through the gospel that we have life. But uh, I just want uh, for the motivation that we have to share uh, Christ with others uh, that we would recognize that it is a motivation of love. Because you love um, the, your friend, your brother or sister that doesn't know Christ, a mother, father, whoever it may be that doesn't know Christ, maybe it's the stranger, it is because of the love of Jesus in you that, that allows for there to be a love extended to others to say, I want to share Jesus. I want to share life with others. Uh, the motivation comes directly from God. And the motivation is this. And Jesus said, it was him speaking this. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It was the motivation of love of the father that would say, hey, I'm giving my son, and the son was willing to go so that we could have life eternal. We're not just talking life on this side of heaven, but we're talking about life eternal. Um, Jesus demonstrated this uh, when he began his ministry at 30 years of age. In Matthew 9, verse 35, it says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. There's this aspect of compassion uh, and love for people and it was people that that he recognized he he recognized and he knew that they were like sheep without a shepherd sheep without any kind of care are in a dangerous position and uh his heart and, and his uh his life existence on the planet was for for that reason of reaching the lost and even dying for the lost, uh, a shepherd for the sheep. Look what it says in verse 37, Matthew 9, 37 says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So here we have uh, in, in Matthew chapter 9, at the end, he's, he's saying there is a harvest and we're not talking of wheat, of grain, uh, of fruit, or whatever. He's, he's talking of souls. There is a harvest of souls out there that is, is ripe. It is plentiful. 
and the laborers are few. There are not enough laborers to take in that harvest. And he says, therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And I just want to take a, a moment right now to pray because the Lord has put it on your heart to say, I want to give life to others. I want to share life with others. And so we want to pray and just agree with this passage uh, of praying to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that you came 2,000 years ago. And we commit this time right now and, the, and the, the coming sessions that we will be having into your hands. And we pray that there will be many that will say, Lord, send me. Lord, I desire to be part of taking in a harvest of souls so that they will be able to have eternity with you. Lord, we are talking about having eternity with you, to have life eternal and to have life full and abundant now on this side of heaven. Regardless of what we may be going through, we have fullness of life in and through you. So, Lord, I pray that there would be many that would say, Lord, use me, send me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. You might say, why is it that, that God would send his only son to die for us and what is why the death why is there this all of this and we'll get into that in a moment but I want for you to know that the reason that the father sent his son was because of the value of one soul and I want you to know if you're listening tonight and you don't know Jesus and you're just wondering hey what does this mean to share life with others I want to share life with others uh, I just I, I want you to know how much God values you. And you may not feel like you have any value, but God values you. Listen to this, this story, this parable that Jesus told. Luke 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, actually, this, this is, the parable will come right after this. It says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, here, here's the, the punchline here. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? The value of one soul, if you should gain all that there is to gain on this side of heaven, of this, in this world, all that you can possibly gain, the Lord is saying that the worth and the value of everything you could possibly gain is nothing compared to your soul. So all the money, all the, the, uh, uh, the value of any project, any building, every, any business, whatever, the value of all of that combined is not worth your soul. It's not worth it. So, and the Lord puts it very clearly. He says, what does it profit? What profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? And so he's talking about our soul. There is this aspect of eternity about us. When we die, we just don't stop living, but we live on after we die. And it is either with God or apart from him. And we'll see what separates us from God in a moment. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes to his own glory and in his fathers and in of the holy angels. To not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. That we would not be ashamed of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. In Luke 15, uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, the, the excitement of seeing one person saved or one person come to know Jesus Christ. Uh, what an excitement that is. And I, if you've never done that before, if you've never led somebody to Christ, this is something that you just say, Lord, I want you to work through me to lead others to Christ. Um, in Luke 15, from verse 4, it says, What man of you, having 100 sheep, if he loses one of them, 
does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. There is a rejoicing in all of heaven over one person that, that was lost and is found, that, that was dead and is, has come to life in Christ. There is a rejoicing of all heaven. And it's amazing that that same thing, oftentimes, uh, I know I say again, for myself, the opportunity even just to share Christ with others, there's a rejoicing. And uh, so today, just as an introduction to sharing life with others, we need to recognize how important it is and, and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Gospel is good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Romans 1 verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for, for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so the, the just are those that are right before God. It says the just shall live by faith. Faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ as Paul writes this to the, to the uh, Romans, the, the believers in Rome, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news of Jesus Christ is powerful to be able to change lives, to bring them to life, and to bring them into right relationship with God, to bring that individual into right standing with God. And we have the opportunity to do that. The Lord Jesus desires to work through us. All right. So that's just a, a bit of an introduction about, uh, of sharing uh, this, or this session that we're going to have, these sessions that we're going to have for the next number of weeks. And uh, I'm not sure exactly how long. We'll see how it goes as we go along. But uh, probably four or five weeks, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, how we can share Christ with others and um, all that that's entailed in that. So today, I, I want to focus in on, on real life. So this thing about life, I'm talking about sharing life with others, uh, because even if you're watching today, for those of you that, that say, hey, I've got life, um, uh, and I have life without Jesus, we want to look at things from a spiritual perspective as well. And I just want you to recognize something about life and having real life. So this lesson here today, real life and the gospel, I want to talk about the problem. I want to talk about the solution. I want to talk about the reality of, of, um, of the problem and the solution and our existence, the reality of, of where we, we may be at or where the person that doesn't believe in Christ is at. Um, so the main problem today uh, in life and, and recognizing the main problem in life, there's, I, I find that uh, as, we, as we go through life, there's, there are extremes. There seems to be extremes. So, uh, and there's everything in between those extremes. Oftentimes we think of, of uh, material things, of wealth. So we think of, man, that person's really rich. And that person, wow, that person's, man, they don't have too much. Man, life must suck for them. Those people that are rich, Oh, man, they must be having a great life. So sometimes we might be somewhere in between the scale of things looking at, man, I, I, I'm glad I'm not like that person. And I wish I could be like this person. I wish I could have what they have. And so life is around material wealth. And we recognize that uh, God does not see life quite like we do in this world. Of, of material things. Sometimes it may be a thing of, of our education, whereas, oh, that person, well, they didn't go too far in their education. This person, wow, I can't believe they've got a degree or they might have their master's, might, they have their, a PhD. And so there's everything in between 
and we just, once again, we say, well, I wish if I had a little bit more education, then maybe my life would be better. I'm glad my, my education is better. It's allowed me to afford more than this individual over here that has nothing. Man, it sucks to be them. At least I feel good about myself, but I wish I had something more. Once again, this is not how God sees things when it comes to how educated we are. Sometimes we, we see life as about a relationship. Uh, dealing with people. You know people. In fact, you might be in a place where you just say, I, I have no family. And so there's this thing of, of struggle in relationship, being all alone, and just saying, I wish somebody could love me, or I wish I could have a relationship, or I wish I had family like so-and-so. Man, they've got people all around them. I, I hear that at different points. Says, man, man, you've got people around you to support you and encourage you, and I, I'm not saying that that's not the case. But there's this idea of as long as if family is okay, if, I, if there's somebody that cares, somebody that has I can connect with and I have a relationship with, well, that's life, and that's fullness of life. Once again, none of these things that I've mentioned so far may not, obviously it brings a, a difference in how we may live from day to day, but it does not, is not how God sees sees us when it comes to life and really having life. Sometimes we may think uh, on this continuum of, of degrees, if you would, um, that life is all about being healthy and vibrant. And, and if, I, if I'm able to do this or that, man, life is good. And we may say, if we're sick, man, life is not good because of the condition that I'm in health-wise. And so if I was healthy, then life would be better. That's the reality of life for me is, is about my health. We might say someone has a great life or has no life. And the vernacular today, the young might say, sucks to be you when it comes to the kind of life that you're living. And you might say, man, I can't stand the life that I have right now because I, I, there's no fullness, there's no joy, there's no happiness about life. Listen to this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, God's workmanship, his creation, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this is an amazing thing here is that just recognizing when it comes to real life, there is this thing of being created by God, and it says here, created in Christ Jesus. Have you been created in Christ Jesus? What does that mean? Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So to create in Christ Jesus for good works, to, to live a certain way, to, to do certain things, to accomplish certain things in our life, that God created beforehand, before you might say beforehand what? Before you were even born. In fact, before time began, God knew that you would exist and says, this is what I have planned for Dave. This is what I have planned for you. And so we have this, this, uh, uh, this knowledge being given to us just in this passage that God has something for you that is good. And it is through, there's this mention of created in Christ Jesus for good works. There's this key of Jesus Christ in the matter of life. If we desire to have what God has for us, planned before time and it is good, that it should be a part of our life, our existence. A, an existence, an abundance of life, a fullness of life that is specific to you. So for those of you that want to share life with others is recognizing I have the opportunity with all boldness to say God has something, has made you for a particular reason or reasons, and he desires for what he has for you to come to pass. You can with all assurance relay this to the, the one that doesn't know Christ is God has something for you. He created you for a reason and he knows you and he loves you and he cares for you. God prepared things beforehand that we should walk in them. This thing of, of walking is all about our life. It's how, according to this definition in the Hebrew, it's how we regulate one's life. So it's not just a, 
a free-for-all that might end up in, in well, consequences because we didn't uh, do the right things or we didn't uh, go a certain path. Now there's consequences. We're reaping the consequences of negative decisions and poor decisions. God is saying, listen, I want to give you, I want you to walk in such a way that there's a regulation of your life so that there's not the craziness of consequences in your life. Uh, in the past, a, a number of years, a few years back, it was YOLO. You only live once. And so with that phrase, it was all about I'm just a free-for-all. You know what? Live your life to the fullest uh, because you only live life once. You know what? Some of the, the things that that might entice a person to do is that which is a foolishness that would end up with major consequences because you only live life once. And to a certain extent, that is exactly true. How we live life, God has a plan for each and every person. And that, that plan would come to pass. How we conduct ourselves from day to day. That's what it means in our walk. God prepared beforehand that we should walk in a certain way, live life in a certain way. The, uh, this other aspect to this word walk in the Hebrew has to do with how we pass our lives, how we can, can regulate, how we conduct, how we pass our life from one day to the next. So God has a desire that the path that we should be on, uh, the life that we should have should be full and abundant. It says in John 10, verse 10, once again, this is Jesus talking, and there was this alluding to the fact that Jesus, we were created in Christ Jesus for good works. And I say all of this to those of you that know Jesus Christ already is to give you a bit of a, a, a theological background so that you can just not say, well, I think this is for that person that doesn't have life. That You can say, this is for you. The life that God has for you is one that would be full and vigorous. It said, Jesus said, the thief does not come but to steal, except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. A thief is one that would take from you. And so, when it, whatever it may be that is taken from you, ultimately, Satan himself would desire to steal, kill, and destroy you. And there's oftentimes there's a taking from our lives. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you may have it more abundantly. John 10, verse 10. We can state to the person that doesn't have life, it doesn't matter what their background, it doesn't matter where they've come from, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they've accomplished in Jesus Christ, God is saying, through him, through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you can have life. Jesus is saying, you can have life in me, an abundant life. This word life has to do with fullness of life. It has to do with um, real life. It has to do with genuine life. It has to do with an active and vigorous life. And it's interesting that in the context of this, is, it, it means that there's a life that is devoted to God, acknowledging God, blessed, not just in, on this side of heaven, but for all eternity. So it doesn't just end at, at the point of death, but it goes way beyond. In fact, there is so much more beyond uh, our life here on earth that we have to look forward to if our life is in Christ. All right, so recognizing the main problem in life here then, let's look at what it comes down to. And we're not necessarily talking about riches or lack of riches or health or lack of health or relationship or lack of relationship. What is the problem in a nutshell when it comes to life before God? And so I, I we need to recognize that there is, if God is saying you can have abundance of life, well, then why don't I have it? Okay, I think I know about Jesus, but how can I have abundance of life? Once again, for those that are sharing life with others, life with the unbeliever, the guy that doesn't know about God, the, the gal that doesn't know about God, the, whoever it may be that doesn't know about God, what is it that keeps them from the abundant life, that full life, vigorous life that they can have in Christ? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1 to 3. And this is not man's take on it. This is the reality of the Word of God. So once again, you will find that I'm, I'm referring to many passages here because what I may think, what my opinion may be, really doesn't matter. And the same thing for you. The opinions that you have, even as a believer, are just opinions. But when we base how we live on what the Lord says and what His Word says, 
we won't go wrong. And regarding the thing that would cause us not to have life, in fact, the opposite of life is death. You say, well, hey, I'm still living. Listen to what it says here. Ephesians 2 from verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. So the question is, have I trespassed? That means have I broken any laws? You say, what laws? Are we talking about the laws of the land? We'll recognize that this, we're trespassing, trespassing against God. So the, the problem has a consequence, and the consequence of sin is death. It says, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You may say, well, I'm not dead. I'm still alive. It says, well, let's, let's see. Let's see what it continues, uh, how it continues on here in verse 2. It says, uh, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. So like this world does. So here God is saying you are dead because of your breaking of law, the laws of God. You are dead in trespasses and your sins, the things which are transgressions against God, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You, that's how you used to be, saying that, but you were no longer that way because you were made alive. You came alive, and that's what we want to look at. How do you come to life? And once again, this is for the, also for the believer, sharing it with the unbeliever, is that the unbeliever without Christ, without faith in Christ, is dead spiritually before God. They are dead because of their sin, their trespasses and sins. Sin is the key problem that's affecting every aspect of life. In fact, if you look at why a person has problems in their life, it'll come back. If you keep going right back, it'll come back to the fact that they have transgressed the laws of God. They've transgressed uh, and they've sinned in some way. And so they get to this place of my life sucks. And I deal with even believers that may say, you know what, I'm going to transgress the laws of God. And as a, a, as a result of that, of that transgression of not following the ways of God, there are detrimental things taking place in their life. And unless they get those things straightened up, there's consequences. But the consequence of just one sin is death. So if a person is dead, they need to come alive. It doesn't matter how much they may do on a given day. Uh, they need to come alive before God. And we're going to look at the solution to this, uh, this, this thing of sin. So they walk. We walked. In fact, we all have walked one, at one point according to the course of this world. This world is, is all about it's heading in a direction away from God. According to the prince of the power of the air. Who is that? We're talking Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That spirit that is working in opposed to the things of God, the sons of disobedience, among whom we also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh. So we conducted ourselves in disobedience against God, according to this world, according to the influences of Satan and the lies of Satan as sons of disobedience. And so according to our own flesh and what our flesh desires, what I want, it's all about me and what I want to have, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, not just of the flesh, but the things that we desire and want in our head, the thoughts. It says, and we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. So this is not a condition that is unique to just you, but is of all mankind that all mankind without Christ is dead. They are dead in trespasses and sins. And so you might say, well, what are the consequences? Well, the consequence is not just that we are dead spiritually, but we fall short of coming into the presence of God. It says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, the, the beautiful thing is with some of these verses that are so in your face, and it would seem so negative. The fact that we've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God and the, the righteousness and holiness of God, we just can't attain in our own righteousness. And so here now, God is saying, is wrapping this a, a negative phrase with amazing passages that are so positive. And it all is about who Jesus is and what he did for us 2,000 years ago. 
And the people that lived before Christ, many from Israel, from the Jews, were supposed to be sharing in the goodness of God that other nations would say, hey, man, we want to serve the God that the Jews serve, the Israelites serve. They were looking forward to Jesus coming. We look back to the, to the fact Jesus already came and he accomplished something. They were looking forward to this accomplishment by faith. We look back by faith to what Jesus did for us to take care of the fact that we can't make it to God in our own goodness, in our own righteousness. And regarding sin, the ultimate consequence of sin, if it is not dealt with, here's the consequence. It says in Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages or the payment of sin is death. And that death occurs the, the day that we sin. In fact, in Genesis, God says, hey, you can do anything. You can have of any tree, but of that tree over there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, do not touch it. I don't want you to eat from that tree. Don't eat the fruit off that tree. That was the only thing that they were told that they couldn't do. They could do anything else. And everything was good until they ate of the fruit. And the day that they ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil was the day that they died. The day, that day, they were separated from God and they died spiritually. The beautiful thing is, even in that moment, God was, or had already put into place the fact that there would be someone that would take care of the sins, even of Adam and Eve and of all mankind since Adam and Eve so many thousands of years ago. The wages of sin is death. And in that negative statement, in that first part of the verse, is the second part that's, that is so positive that says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If sin is not dealt with while we are alive, we'll be apart from God for eternity. But God is saying, I have a gift of eternal life that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. It is in Jesus Christ that we have life. The solution to God how, or how God views us when, and, and it comes, when it comes to this issue of sin, it is only taken care of by the, the gift of Jesus Christ dying for us on a cross 2,000 years ago to take care of all the thing, that very thing that separates us from God, which is sin. Praise God. In this verse, there is a solution, and that solution is that God desires to give you eternal life, real life, now and forever, in and through Jesus Christ. The first thing that we have to acknowledge, and there's the very first sin that was not even created by Adam and Eve, but was, or was done by, by a being, an angel, one of the highest angels that was in the presence of God, and it was a thing of pride where he said, I can be like God. And this thing of pride and arrogance was the first sin that was ever committed. Pride would say, and this is totally, in fact, Job chapter 41 talks about the, the Leviathan or the king of the children of pride. Truly, Satan is the king of the children of pride. Pride would never admit, hey, there's anything wrong with me. Everything is good. I'm good. It is sin. And pride would say, well, no, 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 I have not sinned. I have not sinned. We have to face and confess or acknowledge, I am a sinner. I have sinned against God. The consequences of sin is death. It is separation from God. We are separated from God because of just even one sin. You might say, I haven't sinned. Do you, have, do you have other gods before God? Where is God when it comes to what's important to you? Do you have idols that you would say, well, you know what, this, this is way before God. In fact, God, I don't even believe that you exist. And so you've put other gods before God. These are not my laws, but these are just 10 laws of many laws that God has given. Have you broken any of these? Do you have any of the other gods before God? Have you made an idol, an image, or you, you worship an image that you value an image before God? I think all of us have done that. We have put something before God. Have you ever taken the name of the Lord in vain? It's interesting. We don't say when somebody is uh, swearing, uh, we, don't use your, we don't use your mother's name. 
We don't even use Allah. We don't use some other God, Buddha. We don't use any other gods, but we do use Jesus' name in vain, Jesus Christ. How many times do you hear that name in, on movies or in everyday life? You've said it yourself. It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Have you broken that law? Have you kept the Sabbath day holy? Have you honored your father and your mother? Have you murdered? Have you committed adultery? Jesus went one step further and said, even if you lust after a woman, you've already committed adultery with her. Have you ever, have you lusted after a woman? Or a, a man lusting after, or a woman lusting after another man that she's not married to? This is sin before God. Today, that's the world. That's how the world operates. That's how people operate. Hey, well, I'm just going to live together with somebody, whether I'm married to them or not. Doesn't matter. There's nothing of marriage. Marriage is, 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 uh, is something the world has put aside. The solution to any sin, and the, I just listed five or six different of the Ten Commandments that we read in, in Exodus chapter 20, that you may have broken. Say, I have sinned, as you acknowledge a sin. That is the first step to, to getting to a place of having life. In fact, when you acknowledge sin, even without Jesus Christ, you say, you know what, this is not right, I'm going to fix it. There are blessings already that come to pass in your life, even as you fix some of the things of sin in your life. We call that repentance when we change and turn away from sin. But you know what, I can turn away from every sin because I have already sinned. I've fallen short of the glory of God. So what do I do with the things of sinning already and all the committing of sins? Our answer is in Jesus Christ. So good. As we confess our sins, as we acknowledge our sins, and as we make a statement to God, there is already a work of change that can begin to take place within our lives. Because the Lord says, if we confess our sins, 1 John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who is this person we're confessing to? It is to God, it is to Jesus Christ who died for us. And says, we've confessed our sin to God and to Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. There is this thing of, of a washing and cleansing can take place if we believe that Jesus is the one that has taken care of our sins. So the solution to the problem of sin is Jesus Christ. Listen to this amazing verse or verses in Romans chapter 5 from verse 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So as much as we may try, we, we couldn't be godly enough. Well, Jesus died for, for you. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. You might die for a righteous man, maybe. Maybe for a good one, you might die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for the sinner. As a believer, you need to declare what the problem is and the solution being Jesus Christ. So let Jesus, or you need to declare Jesus, that Jesus came to die for the sinner, to take the sin and the consequences of sin upon himself. And this was the only thing, this is the only thing that God the Father acknowledges that is acceptable to him. It goes on to say in verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood. We are made right in God's eyes by the blood of Jesus Christ that sh is shed for us. We shall be saved from wrath through him. We're saved from the, from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So the life that Jesus, he died for us, so that we can be, have relationship, reconciled, we can be put into right relationship with God and we can have life. We're saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have reconciliation. We are put into right standing with God. Otherwise, one sin will separate you and me from God unless we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus did not remain dead. 
He died for us 2,000 years ago on a cross. But it says in 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 3, For I deliver to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas or by Paul, or Peter, sorry, then by the twelve, by the apostles, the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. In other words, some have already passed away at the time of this writing, which would have been about 51, 52 AD. So about 30 years after Christ, almost 30 years after Christ, Paul writes this passage, and he's saying, of those 500 people that saw him alive after he died, and that's 500 at once, he says, many of them are still alive. You can go talk to them. And he says, some have already passed away. They have died already. But there was a large contingent that saw Jesus come to raise from the dead after he died. Jesus is the only way to God. These are not man's rules. These are the rules that are the, this is the way that God made available for us. And thank God it is such an easy thing because it is not by your work or mine. It is by faith. Jesus said to, to, to uh, Thomas as he asked, well, how, how do I make it to heaven? Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. We need to accept, we need to believe that, that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And we, we receive Christ into our lives. So it's not just a thing up here, but it needs to be a thing of faith by believing in your heart and allowing Jesus to be your Savior and your Lord. It says in John 1 verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become or the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So God, as we receive Christ, as we accept Christ into our lives, we are born of God as we, by faith, we receive him. Lord, come into my life. Be Lord in my life. Save me from my sins, but be Lord in my life. I put you first in my life. We receive Christ. And we do that simply by faith. It says, for by grace, the grace of God, you have been saved through faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ, as God the Father says, hey, I gave my son for you so you could have life. You could have fullness of life, forgiveness of all your sins. You can have life. So you are, you, for by grace, you, have sa you are saved through faith, your faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, not of anything you or I can do, lest anyone should boast. It is simply the grace of God saying, I give you the gift of my son. Receive it by faith. And the amazing thing is, it is, that is how we have life, to have real life, to come alive again. Sin causes us to be dead. One sin. All of us died when we were kids, spiritually. But the amazing thing is, it was when I was a kid that I had my sins forgiven and I was able to come to life in Jesus Christ. And I recognized the most important decision I made was about 50 years ago where I gave my life to Jesus Christ as a seven-year-old boy and I had life. I had forgiveness of sins. My sins were washed away, past, present, and future as I placed my faith in Jesus Christ and as I keep my faith in Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how religious you may be, and even to the religious man in John chapter 3, you can read all about this religious man that came to Jesus, and Jesus says, you need to be born again, to be born of God. You need to be born again. And this man, Nicodemus, asked questions, and, and Jesus said that we must be born of water and the Spirit. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is verse 5, John 3, 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, and to all of us, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. So the born of water he is being born of the flesh. So you are born of the flesh. You are in existence. But we also need to be born of the Spirit. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And you come to life spiritually. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. You may not be able to understand it, but it's a reality. Just like you see the wind, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going, but you see the effect of the wind in the trees, and around you, you can hear the sound of it. 
just like the Holy Spirit. You may not understand everything, but we have life as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and it's by the power of God that we have salvation. Jesus rose from the dead. It's amazing. In this passage, um, verse 9, it says, oh, let me just make sure I got the right one here. Sorry. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from, where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We receive Jesus personally. I can't save you. I can't save you. Jesus can save you as you respond to him. And even as he would desire to be a part of your life and even as he would knock on your heart's door, the Lord, you let him in. I can't let him in for you. In Revelations 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. I'm going to have a relationship with him as he opens the door to me. And so you as a believer sharing this with somebody else, you would let them know, hey, listen, the, lo the Lord desires to be a part of your life, but you have to let him in. So give them the opportunity. Do you want to let Jesus into your life? Let them, as they come to decision, as they hear about the problem, sin, the solution, Jesus Christ dying for us and taking our sins upon himself and dealing with our sin, the consequences of it, and this thing of knocking, of receiving, accepting Jesus into your life, allow, give the person the opportunity to accept Jesus. Do you want to accept Jesus into your, into your life and to help them? A lot of times people will say, yes, I want Jesus in my life. I want them to take care. And then there's something that they need to do as they recognize that Jesus is the solution for life. So a few things that they can do according to the scriptures that we've already read. The first thing that we need to do is confess our sin, that I'm a sinner. And so you, you can help them to confess that. They know, well, what do I do? Just say, hey, yeah, Lord, I am a sinner. I acknowledge that I have sinned. So there's acknowledgement, a confession of sin. The second thing is to believe on Jesus. It says in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So not only that he died on the cross for you, but he rose again from the dead. So he died for you took the consequences, but he came to life. He is not dead. And that you would confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and you believe it in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now listen to what it says in verse 10, Romans 10, 10. It says, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I was saved according to this verse as I confessed I'm a sinner. I, Jesus, you died for me on the cross come into my life. I believe in you. Come into my life. You, I know. I believed as a child. And Jesus came into, in, into my life in that moment of faith, believing. For the scripture says, let me go read verse 10 again. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We believe so that we can get to a place of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Our faith is in him. And with the mouth, we make a confession of this to bring us to a place of salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame on Jesus. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, between the religious and the intellectual of the day. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him as we call upon the name of the Lord. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're talking Jesus Christ here. So we accept him into our life. So not only do we believe but we accept Jesus into our life. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As we receive Jesus Christ, we are born of God. We are born again. We come to life. Our sins are taken care of. Praise God. I like to think of it not as ABCs. If you want to have a little bit of help here to remember but number one 
or first off, C, confess, C-B-A. So not A-B-C, but C-B-A. Confess, confess what? Confess I'm a sinner. Believe, believe what? Believe that Jesus died for me, took all my sins and, and that he died for me and he rose again. Believe it because it happened. We have the year 2021. 2021 is in the year of our Lord, 2021, 2021. Our calendar acknowledges the fact that Jesus existed in the year of our Lord. He came 2021 years ago. And so we place our faith in Jesus, believing in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. He died for us. And thirdly, that A, to accept Jesus Christ into your life. I accept him into my life as Savior and Lord. Praise God, CBAs. Some of these passages that I, I, I quoted and, and whatever, these, a lot of these, you might say, the ones that stand out, I want to I, I go over them again. Or maybe you might even think, I, I can try to memorize those passages or at least know them or at least have them written down or, or put them down and just say, hey, this, these things of, of sin, the problem, the solution, Jesus Christ, and making things right, an apology, if you would, but also a statement of faith in Jesus Christ and a receiving of Christ into your life and accepting of Christ allows for you to begin to have life, to come to life, and it is just the beginning in Jesus Christ. There's so much more, and I, I want to continue to expand on this in the coming uh, next week and the following week about who Jesus Christ is to us. And you can share that with the unbeliever as well in the different places they may be at because Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross is amazing. And there is so much of who Jesus is for our lives is so beautiful and is to bring fullness of life, truly to have life. I just want to close in prayer. Uh, and I just appreciate you joining us tonight online and those here in our studio tonight. Uh, it's so good. Uh, for you to be here, but let's just pray to the Lord of the harvest. Lord, I just thank you. Lord, you are overseeing in a harvest, and your heart and desire is that none should perish, that all should come to repentance, to a turning to you, to life. And Lord, we are in agreement to not just pray that there would be laborers in the harvest, but Lord, to say to you, Lord, I am a laborer. I desire to be a laborer. I want to help in bringing in a harvest. I want to help in bringing somebody to you. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, that I would know the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God to save a person from their sins and to give them not just a, a cleansing of their, their, the sin from their lives and in their life and to wash them clean, but Lord, that your righteousness would be put upon them and that they can have life, fullness of life, abundant life, eternal life. Lord, I just pray that I would be used by you. Use me, Lord. Use us, laborers in the harvest, to bring in a mighty harvest of souls to life eternal in you by faith in you. Lord, move by your spirit upon us. Work on us and work through us to bring others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And until next week, uh, we look forward to uh, uh, continuing on and that there would be life coming to others even in this coming week as you share Christ with whoever the Lord puts in your path. God bless and have a great evening. Thanks for joining us for the sermon. We really hope that God spoke to your life. You can find more of the Word of God by watching our service live stream and listening to our podcast on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.